Wow, that was great. Thank you, worship team. Don't we have a great worship team? Give these guys a hand. Yeah. I love our worship team. Well, we're continuing in a message series called Things Jesus Never Said. So if you're new this morning, you'd be like, what are you talking about? Things Jesus never said. Why, why are you going over why things Jesus never said? And I'll tell you that in a minute. But, you know, sometimes as pastor, like I hear a lot of things from a lot of different people. And, uh, you know, I talk to a lot of people about faith in God. And, and uh, a couple of years ago, I was, I was talking to this person about faith in God. And not too long afterwards, I received a text message from him. Greg, I've decided not to believe in God anymore. And, and he went into a list of all the reasons why he couldn't believe in God anymore. Because you know what? He had prayed, and, and, and after he started to come to church, his car broke down. And then he lost his job. And then his medical bills were, were denied by an insurance company. And he was like so far underwater, he didn't know what to do. And he's like, I can't believe in God anymore. I tried Jesus, and it didn't work. But you know, we're, we're talking this morning... And if you've ever sung that song, it kind of sounds like a country song. I'm not a country guy, so I apologize to all you guys that love country music. But like, here's the country song I think of when I hear that. My dog got run over. My girlfriend ran away with my brother. My beer spilled, right? I mean, sometimes country songs are just down. I don't know why people listen to them. Again, I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody. But things Jesus never said. He said, you won't have bad days. No, he didn't say that. He never said you won't have bad days. But we're going to be talking about what he didn't say about good days, what he didn't say about bad days. We're going to talk about what Jesus did say about good days and bad days. But just in keeping with where we've been these past couple weeks, if you've been with us, I got some more statements about what Jesus never said. So whatever, whoever does the will of my Father will always get the best parking spots, right? You will not find that in the Bible. I know some of you pray earnestly and believe you can measure your faith by if that front row spot is there, if it's the second one or the third one. But Jesus never said, if you do the will of his Father, you'll get the best parking spot. Another thing he never said was, if you lose your life for my sake, then you can eat anything you want and you won't gain weight. See, losing your life isn't the same thing as losing your calories. You still, you still have to, you know... You sow, you reap. It's just all in there, right? Last thing, he didn't say, seek first the kingdom of God and your Wi-Fi will never buffer when you're watching Netflix. I know, college students, don't you hate when your Wi-Fi is buffering and, and like the, the network just isn't fast enough so that you can get that movie on, right? I've been there. I feel the pain. So we're talking this morning about what Jesus did say in John chapter 16. And see, this is, a, this is something Jesus said to his disciples and it was shortly before he was going to be going on to be with the Lord, right? Before he was going to give his life. And, and he wanted to let his disciples know what was coming, and he wanted to pray for them. So we're going to be looking into John chapter 16 today. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you that your word is life, it's truth. And Lord, we ask that you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. God, we open up ourselves to you. We open up our hearts. We open up our ears. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lead us into all truth today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So John 16, verse 20, it starts off like this. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Yeah, this is an uplifting message. I just want to give you the heads up, right? But while you weep and mourn, you're going to weep and mourn while the world rejoices. See, Jesus didn't say the world's going to rejoice and you're going to get to rejoice along with the world. 
He said, yeah, the world's going to be rejoicing, but you're, this is what he was telling his, his disciples. And, and he went on in this passage of John 16, 19 times to use a particular phrase. It was called the world. Right? So 19 times, if you look in NIV, you're going to see the world show up. And he says this. He's, he says in this passage, peace I give to you, but I don't give it to you as the world gives. He goes on to say, I came from the Father to the world, and I'm leaving the world, where? To go back to my Father. He's going to tell the disciples, if the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, then you'll love it as your own, but, if, but you don't belong to the world. That's what he was telling his disciples. Guys, you're not in this world. And then he prays for them after all these statements about the world, and he says, Father, don't take them out of this world. Jesus, please rescue me. Take me out of this misery. But Jesus said, no, Father, don't take them out of this world. He wants us to know that even though we're in this world, he's planted us here to live in this world, but we're, we're not of this world. So he talks, about, he talks a lot about the world, but we're going to continue on in verse 20, where he says this, Very truly, I tell you, weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. And when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that the child is born into the world. You know, if you're a mom here, you've experienced that amazing birth. And and it's like one of the holiest moments. Even for a dad, it's holy for me to be there when my wife gave birth to our four kids. But you know, there's something about women and, and how they go through that time. It's painful, right? And I remember when our first was born, she's right over here, Emily, my wife is the kind of person, she doesn't like to take drugs, right? So she's like, Greg, I'm going to labor as long as I can at home. Her worst fear was that she'd get to the hospital and they'd say, yeah, it's Braxton Hicks, you got to go home, right? How many moms have had that fear? So we're at home, she's laboring, we, we get to the hospital, they do the first exam, and if you've ever been through childbirth, you know what this means, she's at eight centimeters, which is like crazy close to just being ready to, ready to push, you know? So Baby comes out, it's an amazing childbirth experience, but shortly thereafter, it just goes downhill. She starts, my wife starts to hemorrhage, and she's got complications, and like they're, she's crashing, and all these people are coming in, lights and flashes and bells and whistles are going off, and they rush her into surgery, and I'm holding Emily, wondering if my wife is going to live through, through what's going on. I have no idea what's going on. And, and the next morning, a nurse came to her and just kind of jokingly said, well, I guess Emily's going to be an only child, huh? And my wife's like, no, what are you talking about? Like, that was the most amazing thing. Like, Meg had no remembrance. It was all washed away. The pain and the, the horribleness of, of going through that emergency surgery, like, she was already talking about having, having another baby. Because God has given us this picture of women giving birth in pain because their time has come. And then they forget all about that because of the joy, the joy that they have. And you see, God wants us to have that joy. He says, the world rejoices, but you're going to grieve. But don't worry. There's going to be a time when your grief is turned into joy. So let's go on. In verse 22, it says, so with you now, so with you now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you'll rejoice, and no one can take away your joy. See, I love that phrase. When Jesus gives you joy, no one can take away the joy because it's, it's something he's done in our life. We can say it's well with my soul because it's something he's done. It's not because we're looking out to our circumstances, and when he gives us joy, no one can take it away. 
But he goes on in this passage to talk so much about the world, but I want to fast forward to verse 33 because Jesus is going to tell him in verse 33 why he's given him this message. And I think it's important to know the why. He says here, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So Jesus says what? In who? In me. In Jesus, we're going to find peace. We're not going to find peace in this world. We're not going to find peace in our circumstances. We're not going to find peace in the things that bring other people peace here on this earth. We're going to find our peace in Jesus. And then instead of being in his presence, he talks again about us being in the world. And he says, in the world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Right? So, so why does he keep saying, in the world, you're going to have trouble? In the world. Because that's the promise Challenges are certain, right? Pain is a promise. There's suffering in this world. Jesus says it's inevitable. Welcome to Shallow Community Church. We talk about very uplifting things here, right? But this is the words of Jesus. This is what he did say. He said that if you follow him, you're going to be persecuted. You might endure hardships. You might face trouble. And tragically, you know what? Some of us here today, we're facing trouble. We're facing hardship. But I don't want you to be like my friend that texted me, Greg, I'm sorry, I can't believe in God anymore because, because God wasn't answering his prayer. See, some of us today, what does it look like for you to say, in this world, you'll have trouble? What does your trouble look like? I, I don't know. I know my own trouble. I don't know yours. But I know as sure as we're sitting here, some of us may have lost our confidence. Some of us may be going through a season of depression. You know, depression it's, it's tough. You, you try to battle it, but it's just a weight that's on you. That's trouble in this world. Some of us, you may be in a dark time financially. You've, you've struggled. You've worked hard. You've tried to save, and then right around the corner, your car breaks down, an unexpected bill. Just things keep heaping. You're like, why am I having so much trouble? Maybe it's not finances. Maybe it's health. There's so many of us that have health challenges. right? Can you believe in God when you're going through the middle of a health challenge? Paul Allard will tell you you can. <laughs> Just ask him afterwards. So will this guy over here. You know, whatever it is, there's pain that can feel unbearable, even at work. I know what it's like to be at work where, where the deadlines are looming and the pressure is there and you've got to work harder and harder and you're like, is it ever going to get any easier? Is there ever going to be light at the end of the tunnel? In this world, we're going to have trouble. Pain's a promise. But if it's a promise then you know what? Is there some type of purpose that Jesus intended in in saying these words to his disciples? Why would we go through all the pain? What what is it there for? See, Jesus never misses a trick. He's not going to allow pain to come in our life without a reason, without a purpose. So I want to shift gears now and start talking about what's the reason? Why, God? Why, Why are you telling me, Jesus, in the world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So here's the first purpose. In trouble and hardship, it proves our faith. See, there's something that I learned through going through the valley that I can't learn at the top of the mountain, right? And and if you've ever been in the top of a mountain, it's a wonderful place to be. I I love mountaintops. You can see clearly if it's a clear day, right? You could probably see to Boston. It's awesome. 
But we learn as we're going through the valley and, and see we can take a, a lesson out of the page of the early church. When, when Peter was writing, we're going to look at this next scripture in First Peter. But before I get there, I just want to tell you, who was he writing to when he penned these words we're going to read? He was writing to an early church that was persecuted. And they were persecuted by King Nero, Emperor Nero at the time. So this is about 60 to 65 AD. And, and Nero was such a twisted man, he would go kill animals, skin them, put the skins on Christians and then let wild dogs into the arena to eat the Christians alive. And, and they were celebrating like this, this is some kind of, you know, uh, something to be watched and, and, and something to give them enjoyment. Then in 64 AD, three quarters of the city of Rome burned down and the people started to blame Nero because he was twisted. He's the kind of person that could have done this. But to, whether he did it or not, I'm not sure. But to take the emphasis off himself, he decided he was going to accuse Christians of burning the city down. So he brought in some Christians and coerced them to, to make a false confession and to implicate others so that now he could blame the Christians that this was the reason why Rome had burned. So then he took these Christians, and when he would throw parties, he would put them, he'd nail them to a tree, cover them with wax, and light them on fire to be the torches. So they, he would celebrate and eat dinner to the cries of Christians dying as they were lit on fire. He was twisted man. So in this context, Peter writes these words in 1 Peter about trials. He says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. These are the Christians he's writing to. They've been through these things. They've seen their loved ones. There's wonderful joy ahead. And even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole earth. See, when I read these words, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. That's where God wants us to go. He's, he's proving us. He wants our faith to be genuine. But it also makes me nervous, quite frankly, because if something is genuine, then that means there's another side of the coin, right, where, where we could have faith that maybe is counterfeit faith. So, so what does that look like? Because I've, I've grown up in the church. I've had those moments of doubt. Doubt can be a real thing. It can be a good thing. And, you know, we were, when we were at InterVarsity this past Thursday, I was talking to them about doubt, and I shared this truth with them. That, hey, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and when you're truth and someone doubts in who you are, it doesn't rattle you. Because truth isn't shaken by our doubts. Amen? But, but there's something about when we find ourselves in situations, is our faith genuine or is our faith counterfeit? And, and Jesus spoke in the parables about this when he talked about the parable of the seed and the sower. And he said, hey... The, the father is the, is the one that sows the seed, but sometimes seed will fall where? It falls on rocky ground. And, and the, the, the seedling kind of grows, and then when the sun comes and scorches it with experiences, what happens to that, to that seedling? It dies, right? That wasn't genuine faith. That was, that was counterfeit faith. It, was just, it, it wasn't protected. Or, or sometimes the, the seed grows up, and all the thorns come, and they choke it out. The world comes, and it just chokes things out. That's not God's will. That's not God's way for us. But there was the seed, amen, that the seed that, that was planted, and it was planted on good ground. And that seed did what? It, it, it brought a harvest of 30, 60, and 100-fold. See, trouble and hardship, it proves our faith. 
But yet so often what I can hear at times in, in my role is I hear, Greg, I've been praying. God hasn't answered my prayer. Is God real? That's where we want to go to. And, and that's because our roots haven't gone down deep. But trials prove our faith. And, and Jesus wants us to know he, he doesn't let them t- come into our lives just for grins and giggles. They're, they're there for a purpose. And I love when I look back at John 16, 33, it, it tells me this. Jesus is contrasting two things. And I don't want us to miss it. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So he says, in me, and then he says, in the world. In me, you're going to have what? You're going to have peace. In the world, what? You're going to have trouble. So that's a part of being in a broken and sin-stained world, that there's going to be trouble. But he says, we're going to have peace. It's a peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand. Have you ever experienced the peace of God? Right? There's something amazing when the peace of God comes to you. And, and a time I remember that, we talked last week about Jack Hartman passing away. And, and you know, we're standing with Mike and Tammy and the family. And, and of course, when you hear someone pass away, someone's loved one pass away, it reminded me of when my mom passed away about 11 years ago. And she was a woman of faith, and, and it was not expected at all. But you know, my brothers and sisters and I, all eight of us are on the stage at her memorial service, and we're all leading worship. I've got a very musically talented family. I'm kind of the least of these in in my family when it comes to music. Um, So my brothers are playing guitars. My sister's on the flute. We're we're all praying and and playing and worshiping the Lord and leading the memorial service. And then we sing this song by Matt Rettman uh, called Blessed Be Your Name. And, And if you've ever sang that song, there's a sign that says, He gives and takes away. And he gives and takes away, but blessed be your name. And even at that moment, I just started to sob. Not hard to imagine, right? Because you know me well. I'm a crier. But I started to sob, but it wasn't tears of sadness. It was tears of faith. Like, God, you've done something in my mom's life. God, you're passing something on to the next generation. God, how do I pass it on to my kids, what my parents passed on to me? There's trials and troubles that we go through in life, but they're here to prove our faith and to show us that our faith is still standing still. See, in the mountaintop, I can't tell you that my faith is strong, but when I'm in a moment where my mom has passed away and I can say, it's well with my soul, I can say, blessed be your name. You you can't say that without roots that go down deep. You can't say that without genuine faith. So if you're here this morning and you're going through a tough time, but you still made it up, you still made it to church, you're showing that your faith is genuine when you're showing like it's not the troubles of this world that's going to keep you away. God, I'm coming. I'm going to praise your name because of who you are. The trials and troubles, they prove our faith, but they do something else for us. Trials and troubles, they prepare us for a purpose. See, there's, it's not just something happening to you, but it's God doing something in you. God is preparing us as we go through struggles. See, Newsflash, probably to no one here, that it's not at the mountaintop that you're perfected, right? It's in the valley that you're, pers- that you're perfected. It's not ease and comfort that make you stronger. It's, it's going through the challenges of life. So if, if I gave you a choice today and I said, hey, come on a 10-mile run with me today. Let's lace up our running shoes or let's sit on the couch and listen to Spotify. Which one would you choose? You might want to choose the Spotify, unless you're that lady over there, right? Or he might choose the run. But you know what? Listening to Spotify is not going to make, well, maybe it will make your faith go stronger. It depends on what you listen to. But what's going to gain you strength 
is lacing up your shoes and running the race that God has put in front of you. And, and as my son would tell me when we were running up hills, Dad, you're putting it in the bank. Sometimes running uphill is hard, but God calls us to run up hills, and we, it's, we're putting it in the bank. We're learning something. Our roots are going down deeper. So there's a scripture in James that I've talked about before, and, and it's just amazing. I'm bringing it back by popular demand. But in this, in this look of going through trials, right, James pens these words, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. How can he say this? Consider it pure joy when you face trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that, when you're, so that you may be mature and complete and lacking in nothing. You know, that's where God wants us to go, that we don't see trials and tribulation as just, oh my gosh, a woe is me. But he's preparing something in our heart. He's proving our faith as we're going through it. And, and God will be there to give us the peace that passes understanding, no matter what we're going through. So the question is this. Are you going to believe what others are going to say about you? Are you going to believe what your heavenly Father says about you? Right? Because that's the choice that we have. It's to put our confidence in who Jesus is and to run the race and to know that when we're climbing uphill and there's resistance, God is doing something in our life. And it's, a, it's something that's going to last for eternity. See, we think this world is all we've got sometimes. That's the way we live for it. Right? We, we think whatever happens here, that's what matters. No, whatever happens here is preparing us for a day when we're going to be with Jesus. That's why we're going through what we're going through. It's, it's God's preparation that sometimes comes packages pain. But if we look to the Old Testament, how did God prepare some of these people? What's the lessons that we can learn in the Old Testament? You remember a man named Joseph in the Old Testament? God had called him to rule over Egypt he, he had the dream. He told his brothers the dream. And then what happened? It all started to go downhill. He was rejected by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. God, what happened? You told me I was going to... Nope. Falsely accused. Thrown into jail for a crime he didn't commit. Had a glimmer of hope. Some people, he interpreted a dream. He thought maybe he'd get out. No, they forgot about him again. Talk about pain after pain, trouble after trouble. But what was happening? God was doing something in his heart. He was preparing him for a purpose to be the second in command over all of Egypt. How about Peter? Peter in the New Testament, he walked on water. Remember that night when Jesus was coming? They were all in the boat and they all were scared to death. And he's like, Jesus, if it's really you, then you call me out on the water. And Jesus did. And Peter steps out of the boat and he's walking on water. How many of you have walked on water? Yeah, I don't see any hands. I haven't walked on water. Now, yeah, Jesus took his eyes off. I mean, Peter took his eyes off Jesus and he sank. But, but Jesus was preparing him for something greater. When, when Peter was there with, with Jesus in the garden, he said, Jesus, you know what? I will never forsake you. All these other guys, they may run away, but Jesus, I'm standing strong with you. And Jesus said, Peter, I, I know you mean well, but like before the, the cock crows three times or you know, twice, you're going you're gonna to deny me three times. And three times, Jesus deni- Peter denies Jesus to a little girl in the courtyard. But God was doing something in Peter's life. It was, it was as he was running up the hill, God was putting it in the bank. His roots were going down deeper. So you got to tell yourself, I, I tell myself, it's not pain, it's preparation. He's strengthening me. He's preparing me for what's to come. 
You know, if you've ever had an offense, we've talked about that in the, in the Jesus never said you had to forgive them or you didn't have to forgive them. If you've ever had an offense, what you do with that offense, it purifies you if you allow God to purify you through it, right? It's cleansing to your soul. When, when you go through the low times, it's God teaching you. It, it's God showing you. See, the, the setback may be a setup that God's trying to do in your life for him to show up and to show off. So don't give up in the middle of the setback because right around the corner, God has got the setup. But I don't know the time. You don't know the time. Peter didn't know the time. Joseph certainly didn't know the time, how long it was going to take. But the time was coming. God was preparing him for something. See, God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a trouble. He never wastes a trial. But what are we going to do in the middle of the trial? Are we going to say, woe is me? Are we going to text Greg, Greg, I I decided not to believe in Jesus anymore? Or are we going to keep holding faith in that situation? Because trials and trouble, they prove our faith. They prepare us for a purpose. And they cause us to embrace the good news. And, And this is the good news today. The good news is not that Jesus delivers you from your pain. The good news is that Jesus delivers us from our sins, amen? Right? So, so I have to remember my focus isn't on this earth. My focus is heavenward. Jesus delivered me from my sin, but, but sometimes I have this kind of mentality. I think prayer should be like a candy machine. I take my quarter prayer and I put it in and say, God, you know what? Would you answer my prayer? And then I'm waiting what? I'm waiting for the candy bar to come out. And if there's no candy, what happens? I start kicking the machine. Doesn't this thing work? I start shaking it. Candy machine, if you're real, you would answer my prayer right now. But you know, in my heart of hearts, Jesus doesn't have to show me he's real by answering my prayer because he showed me on the cross that he's real. He showed me on the cross by, right, by raising from the dead, by paying the price for my sin. He doesn't have to prove himself in one more way. I know he's real because of what he did on the cross. He didn't come to deliver us from our pain, but to deliver us from our sin. So if there's anything strong in me, it's not me. It's him preparing me for a purpose. If there's anything going to be strong in you, it's not going to be you. It's going to be him preparing you for a purpose. In the world, you'll have trouble. And that's why I love, we're going to close with this scripture in 1 John 5. I love what John says in this letter he writes. He says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So what is it that you choose to believe today? Right? Some of us have genuine faith, and some of us, maybe we're not so sure. Is my faith genuine? Well, what's happened in a time of testing or in a time of trial? I'm not asking if you had a doubt. I'm asking, did you come through to the other side or you're still stuck? Because God doesn't want any of us stuck today. He wants us all moving on. Life is hard. I get it. I got my own trials and troubles. I, I understand. And some of you, way worse. You got it way worse than I. But let's stand today. We come to the Father that says, in the world, you're going to have trouble. That's the truth. I'm not, I'm not trying to paint a glossy picture. In the world, you're going to have trouble. But what? But in me, you will have peace. See, I want to pray and believe, and I want to stand with you, whatever you're going through, that you can have peace that passes understanding. You can have the grace of God. Hebrews says God provides grace to help when? In time of need. See, he knows what we're going through. He's there. And it's not just he's letting you go through stuff because, yeah, you know what, let's give him a few more. He's preparing you for something. He's proving something for you. Let's bow our heads as we close in prayer.
Father, I thank you for this moment. God, I thank you for the scriptures we've read today about what you have given us in this world. Lord, you've promised us trouble. Lord, but you said that in you we would have peace. So God, we don't ask that you remove the trouble. We pray we'd find more of your peace. God, I pray that we would find your presence in the midst of struggle, Lord. I thank you that you're proving our faith. God, and it's our faith that overcomes this world, Lord Jesus. When we say that Jesus is the Son of God and we believe in you, Lord, we can say it is well within my soul, not because of what we're going through, but because of who you are. But God, you know there's some of us here, Lord, while we hear these words, our faith isn't strong right now, God. We need to be strengthened in our faith. And if if you're here this morning and you want me to pray for you to be strengthened in your faith, I'm inviting you. Just raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you right now. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. Father God, when when we come to you, Lord, I, I thank you that you don't cast any of us away. Lord, you love us all. And God, there's a plan and a purpose that you have for each of our lives, Lord. And and when the going gets tough, God, we want our roots to go down deeper. But Lord, there's some of us here today, God, our roots are stuck. They're not going down deeper. So Lord, would you unleash your love upon us this morning, Holy Spirit? Would you come and fill the hearts of those that raised their hand especially, and maybe even those that didn't raise their hands? God, would you show up and in a miraculous way, Lord, give us the peace that passes understanding, God. When we feel grace... God, when we feel your grace, it's a presence that we can't even describe. And I pray that grace upon my brothers and sisters today. In Jesus' name, Lord, that you're there with us in the midst of the storm. God, you're there. You're the anchor in the midst of the storm. Though the waves come, Lord, we're not going down. God, we're standing in who you are. We're standing in faith, believing. And your word promises us, God, that we will overcome the world. So we take that by faith. It's well with our soul because of who you are today, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. If you want prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you after service. Please feel free to come forward. And if not, have a great day. God bless you all.